dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Hello, listeners. Father Michael here. Today's topic is Mother Natalia's. She was inspired by a work, Day of Reflection, by Bishop John Michael Botin, the Romanian bishop for the U.S. And uh, she's talking about work, about labor. She talks about what work is, its purpose, but also what work is not. Um, ways, maybe misunderstandings that we have as individual or a society. She then also finishes with some practical tips uh, to take all of this theory and make it practical, which is very appropriate for work. Um, also, she attempts to say listless, list, list, listlessness a few times and, and actually does a better job than I just did. All right, if you're a banter hater, you can skip ahead either to 550 or 720. We kind of went back to banter. So if you're really, really done with it, go to 720. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. I forgot for a second what I was supposed to say. <laughs> I think I honestly would have said the wrong thing. Really? You would have said the one that we just stopped, the Paschal greeting? Yes, it's the day after Ascension. Uh-huh. So so I would. I think I would have said... I don't think we can say it. It's not like he's not. I know. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Um, But what is the difference of saying glory to Jesus Christ and Christ is among us? This is a question I've always wondered. I don't don't think there is one. So for a while, I used to say at the kissing of the cross, Christ is among us. For at the end of the divine liturgy, and then I would switch to glory to Jesus Christ during during the great fast, just to have it be different. Mm. But but it, I don't. One of them is not like for fast. One is not for feast, as far as I know. So, any listeners? So, who may know? I.e. So Father I started. <laughs> so so, oh man, I wish you hadn't said that. Um, oh, only because of what I'm about to say. No, no, it's just, it's funny. It makes it, it makes it a little bit funnier. But I'll have to explain it. Um, we were talking so. Um, as you know, I'm I'm now the the director of evangelization in the office for catechesis evangelization for the Eparchy of Phoenix, which is great because I just so, feel like you don't have enough going on in life. And so I know, I know, but I I also dropped youth young adult. I dropped youth young adult in favor of this. So I dropped one and picked one up. But this is true. This one's going to be more work um, for sure. And one of the things that the head of the office, Father Nathan Adams, wants to do is wants to start a podcast. So anyway, we were talking yesterday about what that podcast may look like and what. One of our one of our core team members, um, she says, shout out to Simone Riscala. She says, do you know Simone? No, Riscala. Okay. Or um, if I a, do, then I'm really embarrassed right now. If she just okay, she, me she's an Armenian Catholic. Um, she, I think she runs the Endow podcast actually. Um, but she's a she's an Armenian podcast. But she uh, um, Armenian podcast, <laughs> Armenian Catholic, um, who runs a podcast. Um, anyway, so she's very wise, and she said. Um, you know who who are our who are our top three like audience groups? We kind of did this for this podcast. You know who are we doing this for? Who who is our audience? And let, let's say that the top three type of people. And and so there was like this pause. There were five of us on there, and I said, okay, I think the first one is going to be like Roman Catholics who are curious about the Eastern churches because it's going to be about the Eastern Catholic churches. I said it's going to. I think it's gonna be, first one is Roman Catholics who are curious about the Eastern churches. Second of all is going to be kind of Eastern Catholics who just don't feel that they were very well formed, you know, and even those who are well formed, but that there's gonna be deeper stuff. But I, you know, it's gonna be for those who who grew up in the Eastern Catholic churches but didn't quite get enough. They don't feel hundred percent catechized, so they're gonna kind of be learning the basics as well as deeper stuff. And I said 
And the third one is going to be just very highly educated Eastern Catholics who just want to judge us and tell us where we're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And I do not mean you. Father Deacon Jonathan Bean, <laughs> you, we, we love you and you you fulfill a very good role here on the podcast at, and as a listener. Um, he actually but, thankfully uh, will know that that's not what you mean. Well, at least that we collectively, it's not what we mean. Um, because I just emailed him a couple of days ago to say, to tell him that I'm really, really grateful for his feedback uh, um, on the podcast because he does a really, he does a really good job of like also reaching out when he thinks that we've, done just a superb job on an episode, you know? And so it's like, it's much easier for me to receive criticism from him, the stuff that we're doing wrong, because he's, he's very good at like also pointing out when we're doing things well. And so. And I did, and you guys know him, he was on an episode of our podcast, but, Mm -hmm. um, but he's also on our listener advisory committee that meets quarterly to, to tell us what we do right and wrong. Um, But the, uh, I I was thinking that yesterday because on Wednesday night, um, three of my parishioners, came up to me at different times and said, Father Michael, you need to send out an email about the potluck this Sunday. And it was Wednesday night. And they said, you need to do this. All three of them came up to me completely independently and on the same night and told me that. Uh-huh. And I was like, you guys have been talking. You know, it's obvious that they were like, the three of them were in a conversation. They're like, Father Michael needs to send out an email. And they all just came to me independently. One of them, Cowboy, sent me a text. Um, and the other the other two. But I, by the time Cowboy had already had sent the text and Ann Seabright had already asked me, Carolina had already told me. And I ran off. <laughs> to my computer and sent it, even with people there. So by the time both Anne and Cowboy told me, I had already sent it. Um, but it was funny because I was like, you know, it would bother me if certain people were talking about this and then all independently coming up and telling me the same thing. Like, it just, it, it would have been like, oh, there's all this conversations going on behind the scenes. And, but these three actually told me, they brought it up, and I know all three of them love me mm-hmm. and have the mission of Jesus Christ and our parish in mind. Like they love this parish, they love Jesus Christ, they 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 want it to move forward as into the kingdom. And so I don't mind at all when people I know that's their foundation when they call me out or criticize me at all. It's actually a good thing. I rejoice having them in my life and I rejoice having them in the parish and and doing that. So yeah, there is a big difference between hearing criticism from those who you suspect um, are you know, working out of jealousy or out of a completely different mindset, different goals, um, than it is someone who who you know at least wants to love you and and has the good of you and the church mm. in mind. For sure. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to, if you don't mind, I'm going to just slip into the episode because uh, the topic, because I have a lot that I want to say about this topic. And cool. I'm really excited about it. And I'm really excited to hear what you have to say. So I want to, do you know what I'm talking about based on my prayer? Work. Good job. You were listening. Labor. You're a communist. <laughs> do you also, okay. Do you, do, you, uh, do you always listen to prayers as well as you do to my prayers before the podcast? I think so. Oh, Wow. You're just I really, so. you're just, you're beautiful. I, well, I it, me, It's a lesson me, to me of like, I should be this attentive whenever someone's praying. <laughs> but well, I'm more attentive when you're praying because I'm trying to figure out what the episode's about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I'm more attentive in prayer because when my mind wanders, I feel like, which it does often, I have to force it back. And I force it back by focusing on the prayer. Hmm. 
and 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 so there's I think there's more intentional. So so let's just say like for for normal conversations, I'm seventy five percent paying attention the whole time. For prayer, I'm zero percent paying attention twenty five percent of the time, and one hundred percent paying attention seventy five percent of the time. And it just makes that seventy five much more intentional because I feel so bad about being zero percent attentive for twenty five percent of the time. Wow. Put it that way. Oh, that's a great self awareness there. Okay, so I do want to talk about work. And you can maybe count that as the end of the banter because then we ended up just bantering <laughs> a little more. I do want to talk about work because, um, in part, because we had at the monastery a day of reflection yesterday led by Bishop John Michael Botine. Uh, do you know Bishop John Michael or have you? Um, have you met um, him? Or? I've never met him. I remember when he forbade, he's Bishop of the Romanians for the US mm-hmm. and Canada, I believe. Um, I remember when he forbade Romanian Catholics from uh, fighting in the war in Iraq. Mm. That's that's like the big thing that kind of, that's been his legacy so far, as far as I know. Um, I know he's very much a, a lover of peace, a peacemaker, if you will, mm-hmm. in the Beatitudes. Um, but that's all I really know about him. Yeah, he is, This that's, that's what I think he's most known for is his... Uh, his activity in the nonviolent movement. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so he led a day of reflection for us yesterday on work. And the reason we asked for him to speak to this topic is because we see such an unhealthy view of work in our society. But then we also, I mean, all of us at the monastery were raised in this society, right? And so um, in this kind of, in this, this Western world, and so that attitude towards work, it's not even really just Western world at this point, it's pretty much just the world. <laughs> this attitude towards work has formed us individually and and that mindset can even creep into our monasticism. And so we wanted to kind of like hit that um, on the head. That's not an idiom. We we hit the nail on the head. No, I don't know what I want to. I don't know what idiom I want. But we wanted, wanted to, to like lean into that idea. I don't know. We wanted to. Whatever, I'm moving on. So, <laughs> so that was why we asked him to to speak on this, and we we talked about this a little bit on the podcast with Mother Gabriella on what leisure is not, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of our misconceptions of leisure and our unhealthy views on free time come from the unhealthy view we have of work, and that's what I want to talk about. So. Bishop John Michael was talking about this this phenomenon that he he saw happen of um, you know when it used to be that like when people worked in an office if they had to communicate if they had to send memos they would have like the little tube system like they have at um, at the drive through at a bank right where mm-hmm. you'd put the thing in the tube you'd press where you need it to send and then boom it sends and um, and then after that, there was the the invention of the fax machine, and then that was used for like a couple seconds, and then and then came email, <laughs> and email really revolutionized this because because it's saving a ton of money, you know, of not just the 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 cost of like 
printing and things like that, but you don't have to anymore install like the plumbing for this tube system and 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 things like that. So it's a huge money saver and it's a huge time saver. But um, I mean, as opposed to, well, hold on, I'm getting to why, like it's, it's, okay. it's quicker to send an email than to have to print something out, put it in the tube, send it to the person. And then, um, yeah. Do you disagree that that's quicker? I no, uh, I, I I disagree that I agree that it's quicker, but I don't think it, it ultimately in the yes. process of email any time is saved. But go ahead. Yes. Okay. I so that's what I'm getting is, to. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So Excellent. so theoretically though, this is saving time. Like it saves yeah. time to communicate we this one message. We thought it would. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It is. It is quicker to communicate this one message if you're using email than if you're using this tube system. I don't even know what it's called because I'm only 31. But uh, <laughs> then. Bishop John Michael knew the name of it, and he was and mother knew. But anyways, uh, so the problem is the the idea behind it was like, oh, email is quicker, and so we now have more time um, to do other things. But what actually ended up happening was. Um, because email is quicker, we can now fit so much more into that time slot. <laughs> um, right. And so this is what what you're saying, Father Michael. Ultimately, it's not a time saver, um, and yeah. and that's the point of this. That's that's what I want to get at. Is like the more and more our society comes out with these quote unquote time saving um, technologies, it feels like the busier we are, the less time we actually have. And um, and part of that is because with email, with cell phones, people are just expected to be constantly available. You know, we've talked about this on the podcast before, and so it's like I don't actually have more free time because now, even in my quote unquote free time, people can contact me, and they're expecting me to be there and to respond and so on and so forth. You know, um, I don't want to take away from the topic, but another issue is that you just. We send a lot more emails than we would have sent faxes, mm-hmm. and and so it, it actually it it takes a lot more time to read emails than it was. I like just for example, like you you would get maybe one fax a day because you got all the pertinent important information in that one fax, mm-hmm. and that fax was prepared longer, thought through better, communicated better. Whereas with emails, you just write, send, write, send, write, send, write, send, and so it, it it's going to take more time to read and probably to write than it would have been if you had just thought through it better in the first place. I'm preaching to myself here, obviously. Yeah. Um, oh, me too. This is why we wanted Bishop John Michael to, to talk yeah. to us about this, right? Because it's a problem for us, even in the monastery. Um, and as the monastics, we are supposed to be witnessing to the world in general. But like, mm-hmm. if we're not even even living well, <laughs> this concept of, of healthy and integrated work, then um, if even the monastics can't do it, like how is the rest of the world supposed to be able to do it? So like we're called to be good witnesses to this um, and we often we are not. We need you. Yes, exactly. We need you to be. We need you to be witness to us. Uh, a funny thing happened the other day. I was walking out of the coffee shop and um, I had, for the first time in in probably 65 years, I didn't have my phone on me. And and so I I walk out and I, I'm thinking like I literally sat in down. in 65 years? Yeah, I was, I was just hyperbole. Um, <laughs> how, however long I've been alive, um, I, I didn't. I, I left my phone on my car, and I got about maybe twenty paces from my car before realizing I didn't have my phone on I me. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go get coffee without my phone. And so I went in, got coffee, sat down, like didn't have a book, 
literally just sat there staring off the distance like a, you know, I don't even know what, um, like a crazy guy, not looking at anything, not reading anything, um, not talking to anybody. And uh, for like 20 minutes, sipped my coffee, thought about stuff, um, and then uh, walked out. And as I walk out, this guy goes, hey, do you have the time? And I was like, honestly, I don't. He's like, I left my phone in the car. I was like, I did too. <laughs> it was like this, this great moment of success where both of us like, okay, if I need to know the time, someone will have it. And then like the one guy he talked to doesn't have his phone on him. <laughs> That's really <laughs> we're funny. We're both like really proud. Yay, we don't have phones on us. <laughs> anyway, go That's ahead. amazing. So, uh, so this Bishop John Michael had this really, I think, he had this quote that I think synthesizes everything that we need to remember uh, when we're thinking of work and what work should be and what work should not be. He said, what you're creating with your work is always secondary to what the Holy Spirit is creating in you. And what you're creating in your work is always secondary to what the Holy Spirit is creating in you. And this is true for monastics, but it's it's true, uh, you know, I'll say what I've said a thousand times, like monastics are just living, striving to live the ideal of the Christian life. We're, we're trying to live in perfection what all Christians should be living uh, to the extent that they can within their vocations. And so... Um, so this is true for everybody. What you're creating with your work is always secondary to what the Holy Spirit is creating in you. Um, so, so I came up with what I think are, are four good thoughts of the purpose of work. Um, I have a few things of what work is not and then some practical tips. So I'm going to try to get through all that. We'll see what happens. So, um, and I've got a lot of, like church father stuff today. So it's going to be kind of heavy in quotes. And so you're welcome to all those who love that. And I'm sorry to all those who don't. So the first one I want to share is from my man Evagrius to talk about the, the purpose of work. And we, I know we often start with the, the negative of what it's not, but, um, but this time for whatever reason, I, I feel I should start with what it is. Um, so the first thing I want to mention, I'm not mentioning these I like in the order of importance, uh, but but remembering all of these in context of that quote I just gave by Bishop John Michael, which is that everything in our work is secondary to what the Holy Spirit is creating in us um, in the time of work. So Evagrius says, Provide yourselves with such work for your hands as can be done, if possible, both during the day and at night, so that you are not a burden to anyone and indeed can give to others, as St. Paul the Apostle advises in 1 Thessalonians 2.9 and Ephesians 4.28. So one, one purpose of work is very simply to provide to provide for ourselves, to provide for others, either in charity or our family. You know, if you're working and supporting a family and things like that, um, that's like the easiest, most straightforward thing. And I think most people understand that that's a purpose of work. Um, one that's maybe a little lesser known, uh, I'm going to quote Cash in here, um, is to avoid sin. So uh, Cashin was a disciple of Evagrius. 
So Cassian uh, learned about the eight evil thoughts from Evagrius, which I can now actually do that because I said I was waiting to do uh, a series on the eight evil thoughts until after you did the episode on sin, which you've now done. So anyways, this isn't that, this started that uh, series, but I am talking about uh, one of them, which is listlessness, listlessness, better known as Acadia or Acadia or Acadia. Um, I prefer the pronunciation Acadia, but so, so John Cashin learns about the eight evil thoughts from Evagrius, who's his elder. And then um, this is something that, that Cashin says about the evil thought of Acadia. Those who do not work, he calls, he meaning the apostle Paul, those who do not work, he calls unruly expressing a multiplicity of faults in this one word. For the unruly man is lacking in reverence. So all of these he's saying are a result of not working. Lacking in reverence, impulsive in speech, quick to abuse, and so unfit for stillness. He is a slave to listlessness. That word is really hard to say. He is a slave to Acadia. So so it's it's very um, counterintuitive here that he's saying the one yeah. who does not work is incapable of stillness. But yeah. I, I think that there's something here of if we are engaging our will and doing that, which we don't necessarily want to do, don't necessarily enjoy doing, then we're, we're just more self-disciplined. We're able mm-hmm. to actually um, do... Um, like to enter into stillness, even when it's it's beyond maybe what our our nature, um, what we are naturally inclined to do. Uh, because he also says, so he talks about um, Cashin, how laziness comes from inquisitiveness and from inquisitiveness, unruliness, and from unruliness, every kind of evil. He provides, he again, meaning the Apostle Paul, he's talking about the Apostle Paul. He provides a remedy, however, with the words. Now we instruct such people to work quietly and to eat their own bread. Mm-hmm. So um, so he, he talks about how uh, laziness um, puts forth all these kinds of evil. And so, so to, to have the self-discipline to work um, avoids Acadia, but also he just talks about how not working, idleness, you know, the, the phrase idleness is the devil's playground. <laughs> like um, when, we're, when, we're not, <clears throat> when we're not working, then there's just um, like the devil has so much more free reign to move about um, because we have the inquisitiveness, because we have the unruliness, because we have um, all of these things that Cashin talks about. Um, On my old podcast, we used to call gluttony the gateway drug. And I think you could call the Chady the same thing. Mm-hmm. In other words, gluttony leads to sloth, in a sense, a chadia, to lust, to anger. Um, you know, anyway, it, it leads to a lot of other things because our we we lose our, our zeal. It, it kind of... 
we we become too satisfied, and and when we become satisfied, we we become really weak. You know, mm-hmm. if if we're beyond, I guess not. I guess beyond satisfied, it would be it would be more of a uh, if what we eat or what we watch or what we consume in any way slows us down, makes us less attentive, less zealous, less urgent um, in this world, uh, and that's it could be the same thing for. For that idleness, um, that is actually the enemy of of true stillness. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that reminds me of the Pinky and the Brain episode that we watched with Talco when she was here on Observership. the The one about the they weren't uh, they weren't Amish. They might have been Mennonite. The I don't remember, but they just um, uh, it was just like work, work, work all the time, and then um, you know. Uh, Brain says something about like taking a break or pinky. I don't remember. And um, and the guy says break. What is this break? And then he says that would be idleness. And then he um, so there's just always there's it's constantly they're constantly working. Time for the midday Can barn I do something raisin. Real quick. Yeah, I want to uh, give a couple shout outs um, to your first your first definition, namely to provide it and not be a burden. Um, uh, according to Evagrius, I want to give a shout out to Libby. Sandy, uh, Claire, and Sarah. I honestly, one of them was not there. I forget which one wasn't there, but I'm just putting them all in one group. But they cleaned up on Pasca, like absolutely cleaned up for probably hours mm-hmm. after everything was done. We we made a mess of this church property on Pasca with food and drink and trash and everything. I mean, we we partied, partied, partied. And and I was so exhausted. I went to go take a nap, not really not realizing it was already like 7:30 p.m. <laughs> and so it really wasn't nap time. It was more like, you know, clean up than go to bed time. But um anyway, I laid down, probably slept for an hour, got back up and they had done everything. So God bless those ladies. And then and for the for the cashin, the avoiding sin, and 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 uh, kind of uh, assisting as well. I want to give a shout out to um, my buddy Matt Williamson and Justin Schneer, who are like the two biggest servants of their communities. Like Justin, if we're having a party in his backyard, we'll go and wash dishes and we can like see it through the window. Like mm-hmm. we're all out smoking, drinking, having a good time. And he's like washing all the dishes so that when we're done, we walk in there and like his wife and his kids, like they walk in there and everything's done. Mm-hmm. Like after the party, he just, he washed dishes, he cleaned up. It was, and it, th- those are like two men I really aspire to be like, who are very much, Matt will, you know, clear the table for anybody who's there, even his own wedding, he did this. He was literally like cleaning the table for us at his own wedding. Um, so those two minutes have inspired me. So yeah, the, the good examples of labor are helpful as well. Hmm. And I think that the the especially the example you gave of well, actually all three examples you just gave um, fit very well into what I'm I'm calling the third purpose of work. Again, these are not in any particular order. That's just how they came to mind. Which the third purpose of work of the four that I thought of is to grow in virtue and. The, the two virtues that I want to talk about specifically are humility and love and how work helps us to grow in those. Um, so regarding humility, uh, Dorotheos says, um, here we go. Dorotheos says, the path that leads to humility is that of bodily, bodily labors that beget understanding. Um, and then commenting on this, Abba Dorotheo says, 
What relationship does bodily labor have with the disposition of the soul? I will explain this to you. When the soul fell away from the keeping of the commandments um, to disobedience, it gave itself over to love of pleasure, having to come to love the things of the body. From then on, therefore, this wretched soul has suffered together with the body and conforms with all that it does. This is why the elders said that bodily labor leads to lowliness of mind. Labor, therefore, humbles the soul. And when the body is humbled, the soul is humbled with it. Um, Elder, Elder Emilianos, I think is how you say it. Uh, he says this as well. He says, manual labor is a commandment of God, an instrument of humility and of bonding between the sisters and a way of contributing to society itself. So he talks about, about multiple of those things, right? This um, contributing to society, like we said, and he's talking about uh, female monastics here, um, but also an instrument of humility. And, and then for the love aspect, I wanted to share this quote by St. Sophroni of Essex. So um, he's talking to his monastics about incorporating love into their work. And he says, Begin with a desire to serve others with love, as St. Siloan did, who, when they asked him, served hundreds and thousands of monks in the refectory. He was very happy that Christ loves these people who are God's children, and he served them with great love. This person was simple, but his thought was grand and very pleasant. If you maintain this attitude, then all the necessary tasks of daily life, even those that aim to serve those who come to our monastery, can become like a delicious food for you. And at night, due to this attitude in serving, your heart will be very tender and you will weep before God because of your failings and because of your love. Um, so uh, yeah, humility and love. These are just um, two quotes, um, three if you count the Emilianos one that I want to come back to later, of... Um, how work is meant to help us grow in humility and love. Mm. Do you have any comments on that before I give the last, the last purpose? Uh, n- well, kind of. Um, there's, it's such, I mean, these little pithy statements um, that we hear as kids and then they become so incredibly important when we get older and actually start living a real life. And one of them for me has just been, you know, put yourself in someone else's shoes. Mm-hmm. Because when you, when you consider that for love, like I, I, I lead a parish, that's my main job, right? So I, the, one of the best ways I can lead is to say, you know, as a pastor, there's all these jokes about, you know, the, the, the lights go off or priests are sitting around having lunch and the lights go off and the Dominican starts pining about the the essence of light in a in a scholastic way and the Jesuit starts, you know, talk about this and the the Franciscan about this and then the but the parish preacher goes and flips the breaker, you know. It's it's like there there's there's something very practical about about mm-hmm. a parish priest. I will I'll learn the I don't I don't know the stereotypes about the other orders well enough to tell the joke in in a funny way, but um but it's like from the moment I and there's programs that have said this too, but like from the moment I if I was coming to church as a lay person, which is who I'm serving, what would I expect out of a out of a good Sunday? You know, I'd expect obviously like a clean parking lot. I'd expect, you know, um, when I come to church, 
that there are you know a room available and the books available to me that I need. I'm going to expect you know access to the bathrooms. I'm going to expect the bathrooms to be clean. I'm going to expect the liturgy to have good singing, good preaching, something inspiring I can take with me. You know, if I just if I put myself in lay people's shoes, you know, a social afterwards where people are welcoming um, from the very beginning, and I can contribute my gifts, and my gifts are appreciated, and I can thank people for, for their gifts. I can be weak and vulnerable. I can be a mess, and I'll still be loved and accepted. All these things that would make a good parish, and and it, it is so true that that I have been, and I, I'm sure you have as well, Mother, and most of us have, I hope. Um, we've been kind of spoiled in that in that we've had really good experiences, people that have served us really well. Mm-hmm. And so we know what it's like to have a really good experience somewhere. Um, like my experience, I've said it, when I, when I went to Ukraine, I don't think I ever walked out of a priest's house without a bottle of wine under my arm. It was like, that was just what you do, right? You, you grab from your stash, you have a guest, you, you feed and, and give him wine while he's there and he, nobody leaves empty handed, mm-hmm. right? There's, and I experienced that so much. I was like, I want to be that guy. Like, I want to be the one that, that, that gives something, you know, something to everybody and that they feel welcome. They feel, you know, honored and that there's, you, you leave saying they thought I was special special enough to give me something, to sacrifice and to love me in that way that they gave me something. And so once you've, you've received this, like I, I think I've told the story before where I, you know, I, I, I would go to all these weddings and, and one of the parents of the bride or the groom would, would, would buy me, you know, a whiskey. But I was so used to going to these vocations directors conventions where we only had the best types of best kinds of whiskey because they were paid for by this seminary or this branch of the military because they wanted us to send our guys to their seminaries or their, or their mm-hmm. military service. And so when we get to the wedding, one of the fathers of the bride was like, "Father, what can I get you? You want a drink?" And I'm like, "I, I, I love a whiskey." He's like, "What kind?" And I was like, "Um, I'm, I'm like looking for something I recognize before I knew whiskey." And I was like, "Oh, I've had that one." He goes. Whoa, Father, you got good taste in whiskey. In other words, like I'm going to be paying a lot of money for this whiskey. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm sorry, I really don't know how much anything is worth. You know, mm-hmm. so so in other words, we've been beneficiaries of this, and it's good to say I've I know what those shoes are like. Mm-hmm. I know what it's like to feel loved and affirmed and 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 appreciated. So I want to give that to others, and that can help us love and to serve in a way to say I can just imagine cooking a meal for a hundred monks and staying in their refectory and watching all of them eat my food. And just they're happy. What would I want? I'd want to sit down and eat a nice meal with my friends and my mm-hmm. brothers. And and like if I can provide that for them, I I do it because I can put myself in their shoes and say, what would what would make me happy right now? I want to give that to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's the. Have you seen Babette's Feast? Have we talked about this? No, <gasps> I have. I need to watch uh-huh. that. I actually bought it on Amazon one time, then then it expired because I didn't watch it in time. Maybe when I'm there in um, August, we can watch it. That would be great. Mother, you, you do not watch movies on rear retreats. Um, you know this. I meant on my, <laughs> you are just, oh, <laughs> you're such a hypocrite. Um, I meant on my free day before the retreat starts oh, okay. or after the retreat's over I'll, or whatever. I'll watch it during your retreat. Stop. Actually, we probably could. Mother that would actually, yeah. Mother wouldn't mind. <laughs> um, that actually would probably be a really fruitful thing to watch on retreat. It's so beautiful. Anyways, so... <clears throat> so, to provide, to avoid sin, to grow in virtue. And then the last one I want to mention, which actually this, this goes back to what the, the quote by Bishop John Michael, to sanctify ourselves and others. <clears throat> um, this, is, this is the last purpose that I wanted to mention of work. So there's this quote by St. Paisius uh, of the Holy Mountain, 
that I I was really moved by and it really convicted me in how I need to be going about my work. He says, when monastic handicrafts are made with peace of mind and prayer, they are sanctified and they also sanctify the people who use them. Then it makes sense for lay people to seek these handiworks from us as a blessing. On the contrary, any work made with haste and nervousness transmits this demonic condition to others. Work done with haste and anxiety is the mark of a very secular person. Instead of giving people a blessing, what these troubled souls impart on others with their handiwork is their troubled state. A person's state affects not only the work that he does, but also the materials, the wood that he is using. The final product of a man's work reflects his spiritual state. If he is upset and angry and swears, his work will not bring a blessing to others. But if he chants, if he prays the Jesus prayer, his work is sanctified. The first condition is demonic. The other is divine. Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. How about my smartphone made by child slaves? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, there let's you go. not get into that. Um, so there, but there's a great truth here and that he's, so he says, he says, work done with haste and anxiety is the mark of a very secular person. And so I'm not, I'm not just saying this is how we monastics need to work. Um, because all of those, all of you who live in the world are, um, all of you who live in the world are called to not be of the world. And so you're also called to not be a very secular person. And so you're also called to do your work um, with this, this spirit of sanctity, you know, with peace of mind and with prayer and, and that work blesses those who are receiving the fruit of that work. That's really beautiful. I have to think about that more. Did you, could you like not hear me for a minute? Were you having a weird technology problem? No, my computer's like shutting down <sighs> because I, uh, I, I must have hit the, I must have hit the, the switch with my foot on the power cord. Mm-hmm. So it, my, the plug, even though it was plugged into the computer, was not charging my computer. So anyway, we almost lost um, that this part of the episode. Would have been really it. sad. Uh, okay, I'm going. I'm. I'm just going to keep plowing ahead unless you want to stop me because I still have a lot I want to get through. No, yeah, no. That's I just. Th- that's really beautiful. I got to think about that because it's kind of one of those things. Even like I remember being 16 and mopping floors and wiping tables and vacuuming the floor and and it was always just to go home. Mm-hmm. There there wasn't any love in it whatsoever. And and if we realize it's just like when I do something virtuous, I help the entire body of Christ. When I do when I sin, I hurt the entire body of Christ. The same thing is true in this in this definition, which I love for our labor. Every single time we do labor, if we wash a dish, like Mother Teresa said, you know, we, if we wash it with love, we're actually kind of sending a blessing to the next person who <clears throat> eats off it, you know? Mm-hmm. And that, that, that sounds so hokey in a way, but, but according to this, and I believe it, it, it is actually very true. You know, it's, it's a way of loving people um, by, by doing simple work for them, not done grudgingly or angrily or with bitterness or resentment, but rather with love mm-hmm. makes a lot of difference in the way that we actually affect people's lives towards the kingdom. And it makes, <clears throat> sorry, I don't know why my, I need to keep clearing my throat. It's making, it makes a big difference within ourselves as well. Like this is part of the, mm-hmm. the fact that it sanctifies ourselves. And we see the fruits of this mm-hmm. um, almost immediately. You know, I was, I was thinking, one time I've talked about this before, but one time I, I <clears throat> put together this list at the suggestion of a friend who 
um, a list of my activities for the day and, and categorized each activity into that which was depleting, that which was neutral, and that which was nourishing. Uh, in order to kind of assess what are the things I'm doing in life, I think this goes back to the episode on leisure as well. What are the things I'm doing in life that are depleting? Because nothing in our life should be ultimately depleting if we're actually striving for the ideal. And so those things that are depleting, the discernment then needs to be, is this a thing that I cut out? Or is this a thing that I need to do something to make it either neutral or nourishing? Uh, which, which is a, yeah, a mindset, a mindset shift, you know? And so it's like when I'm doing something out of love, you know, I've talked about cleaning the pustinias before and it, it actually makes a difference whether I'm cleaning the pustinia and I'm just thinking the whole time about how I wish I didn't need to be doing this right now because there's these other things I need to do versus if I'm just praying for the person who I'm prepping this for. Uh, and, and I feel the difference the even a, just a difference in tiredness, you know, like it's much more tiresome to do uh, the one than the other. So, um, okay, three things that I want to talk about: what work is not. Okay. That I think it often is in our society. Um, so this is where I think that we, myself included, are getting it wrong. So, the first, um, this is a continuation of that quote by Elder Emilianus, the one who talked about how. Um, manual labor is a commandment of God and an instrument of humility and a bonding between the sisters and a way of contributing to society itself. He then says, but work aimed exclusively at increasing wealth or at expending the strength of a nun is a deviation from the monastic way. So we should not be working simply to gain wealth or simply to wear ourselves out. Um, which I think both of these we see done. I think we see people who enter into work just to escape reality and to just distract themselves and to just like wear themselves out to, to, to do enough to get through the day to then just like be able to like <laughs> pass out at the end of the day and not have to actually think about life. You know, they throw themselves into, into work as an escape from life. Um, and then also obviously the much more the much more overt one that we see all the time is the simply wanting to gain wealth um, at the expense of so much other. I think there's something about this. I used to give one of my parishioners in Denver, I'd give him a key to the church because the church was on his way home. And he really struggled with that work home transition. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he would leave work and then he would get home and he would just always be irritated because something about normal life irritated him. I don't think he was necessarily like trying to using work to escape from that, but but it was to 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 leave the work atmosphere and then love on his family, understand he's walking into a situation that he has really no idea what happened throughout the day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, his wife has been as stressed out as he is and watching the kids because she was a stay-at-home mom. Um, like, and the kids want to see him, but he needs to be good and happy, but also a servant, like all these things. He just had a trouble with that transition. And I just said, hey, take a key, go into the church, spend 15 minutes there, you know, be 15 minutes later than you would normally be, you know, obviously talk to your wife about that. And then, and he said that made all the difference in the world, just acknowledging the transition that, that I'm, I'm moving from one thing to the other, making sure that neither one of them is an escape or more of a burden, but both are part of the vocation that he has from God. Yeah. Um, and the, the next thing <clears throat> applies to even that situation that you're just describing. The next thing that I think work should not be doing that 
it almost always does. It is <laughs> um, in in our current culture is is to steal our peace, um, to to make us anxious. Dorotheos talks about how um, when you have your when you have your obedience, that's the what's assigned to a monastic. Their the work that's assigned to them, like being the Pustinia coordinator, is one of my obediences. Um, when you have your obedience. Half of the task of the obedience, according to Dorotheos, half of the task um, is to uh, to keep your peace. And so, if you fail at actually completing the obedience itself, you've failed at one eighth of the obedience. <laughs> Whereas, if you've lost your peace, you've lo- you've failed at half mm. of it. Um, wow. So he says, he says, of course, indifference is a bad thing. Like we should care about the work that we're doing. He says, indifference is a bad thing. But neither is it, once more, a good thing for one to become so preoccupied with something, um, something that happens, that he loses his peaceful disposition, such that the soul is harmed. Um, so the, the completing the task is not nearly as important as the being at peace. And this was, again, this is the Bishop John Michael quote of the work that the Holy Spirit is creating in us is, is primary um, in the work, uh, more important than the the thing that we're creating, the work that we're creating, and um, and I think this what this just comes down to, honestly. You know, when when he had liturgy for us yesterday, Bishop John Michael said, uh, "This wasn't even about the work um, day of reflection. This was with all the people who come to our chapel." He he said in his homily we often lose sight of heaven because we're so busy complaining about the things of the earth. Like our eyes are lowered and we're complaining about the things of the earth and thus we don't have our eyes on heaven. And that's what's happening here when we lose our peace in the midst of work is is we're so worried about completing this task that we've lost sight of heaven. Um, and thus we've we've lost our peace because, because Christ is our peace. <laughs> um, and he's the Prince of Peace. Um, yeah. Can I give the last thing that work should not be? Okay, so work should not be an attachment. So I think Elder, I think St. Paisius, the same one that I was talking about earlier of the Holy Mountain, he, he says this so well. He says, give your legs and your hands to work, but not your heart. In other words, you should not give your heart to material things. Some people give their whole self to material things. They spend the entire day trying to do a job well and don't think of God at all. Um, so work should not be an attachment. Like that's not where we should be putting our heart. Um, like we should be using our heart in the work. You know, as we talked about earlier, we should be loving through our work. We should be, but the task themselves like that's not where our heart needs to remain. Our, our heart needs to remain with, with the Lord and with the people that we're serving <laughs> through our work, uh, but not the material thing itself. I, I imagine the ideal within a monastic community is, is to, that the superior discerns um, if that has been the case with any of, any of the monks or nuns, mm-hmm. like uh, just to sense that they're getting attached. If they are, then switch jobs. Yeah, because it's not about what you're doing. Um, it's about it's about again, are, are you growing in holiness, and is the community growing in holiness through this work? Um, but I also can imagine that 
if you you wouldn't want to just have every nun or monk switch jobs every three years because you never know what can be fulfilling. You know, you hear all these stories about uh, saintly porters, right, who would answer the door and they they were just a porter their whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was sacristan at the seminary for all four years I was there and I loved it. Mm-hmm. I would not want to do anything else, but I could have switched. I wasn't attached to it. I don't think it was just very fulfilling. But I, I'm, I'm do you guys have, do you guys have terms or is it just mother switches jobs if she feels it's necessary? Um, so we receive our obediences every year on September first, which is the new liturgical oh, okay. year. Um, mm-hmm. So we actually read special readings at Vespers. Um, cool. That I think Mother picked out. Yes, for um, for obediences, and then at Vespers, um, she gives us our obediences, and mm. we respond about something of like um, our desire to do this with joy or something like that. Um, Beautiful. And I mean, that being said, I've been the Pustinia coordinator for six years, right? So it's like mm. <laughs> oftentimes the obedience is just. Repeated on the thing, <laughs> um, yeah. So, and, and especially because our community is so small right now, uh, there's only seven of us. That, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's like to some extent we have to just do what makes sense. Like I'm the only one that makes sense to be the Houstonian coordinator right now. <laughs> Mother Gabriella is the only one who makes sense to do the accounting. <laughs> like it's so. Um, so there's that as well. But yeah, some. So it's different in some monasteries. Um, some monasteries they do change often and and in other monasteries like um so i think who was it that um oh who was it that gave the example i just read about this this morning um one of the one of the fathers gave the example that um in uh in some monasteries they might have a different cook every week and in some monasteries they might have the same cook for their entire lifetime until they're too old to cook anymore, and so uh, there's a there's a varying tradition there. Um, yeah, I, I think it's better to discern than assume that everybody needs to switch. Yeah, and I'm only saying this because I I think that's the same case with with eparchies and movement mm-hmm. of priests from parish to parish. There can certainly be an attachment mm-hmm. um, of the people or of the priest that is unhealthy mm-hmm. uh, for one reason or another, but but there can also be a a fatherhood role that needs to maintain for years and years and years for the good for his good and for the good of the parish, and that needs I think needs to be discerned rather than made make a black white statement about it. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Father Jack Huster, um. <laughs> and 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 that's the eastern <laughs> that's the eastern wisdom I think of the monks and nuns are supposed to reveal their entire heart to their elder, um, yeah. so that their elder can help discern those things of like what is good because we have, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I won't share that. But I want to give some practical tips before we close out. Uh, we, might go, we might go a little bit long. Are you okay with that on time? Oh, yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, so uh, oh, I, I want to say one more thing about the attachment. You know, there's this story of a monk who, I don't remember who it is. Maybe you will. Um, he, oh, it's right here in front of me. Um, Abba Paul is the one. Um, it says that Abba Paul, one of the most upright of the fathers, lived in the vast desert and could not do any other work to support himself because his dwelling was separated from towns and um, from habitable land by a seven days journey. He used to collect palm fronds and always exact a day's labor from himself, just as if this were his means of support. So even though he didn't um, like this wasn't actually his support. He still did as much as he would have needed to for a day's support. And when his cave was filled with a whole year's work, 
he would burn up what he had so carefully toiled over each year to the extent proving that without manual labor, a monk can neither stay in one spot nor ever mount to the summit of perfection. And so, although the obligation of earning a livelihood did not demand this course of action, he did it just for the sake of purging his heart, firming his thoughts, persevering in his cell, and conquering and driving out Acadia, i.e. listlessness. So he worked just to drive out the Acadia, um, but he, he, insi- like, he burned up his work every year in order to not have the attachment to the actual work that he was producing. That is way holier than me. Um, ditto. So, okay, so practical tips. My practical tip is not to burn up your work each year. Um, my practical tip is, so, so one of the problems, one of the problems I think with like this unhealthy or where this, this unhealthy view of work came from is um, quite frankly, the invention of electricity. So, because, um, and, and the movement out of like an agrarian, is that the right word? Mm-hmm. Like for farming? Okay. An agrarian um, civilization, lifestyle? Sure. Culture? Yeah. Let's get that. Uh, Society. Because in an agrarian culture, things were so dependent upon the season, the weathers. And so, um, so there were just natural times that the work didn't make sense, right? Before electricity, you worked when the sun came up and you stopped working when the sun went down <laughs> because you didn't have the light to work. And so again, with these things that are supposed to be quote unquote time saving, we're actually just becoming busier. Um, like It's not like, oh, we now have electricity so we can uh, continue doing whatever past dark. It's like, oh, we now have electricity, thus we're expected to work even more and for even longer. And so, uh, so for the farmers, these blocks of time were naturally in place. And the same is true for monastics. We have these, these blocks of time in our, our schedule, um, our orarium, our, our schedule of prayer and work and so on and so forth, we have blocks of time that are set aside for work and blocks of time that are set aside for prayer. And so when the bells ring, we are supposed to stop our work. We're not good at this. We're striving to be better at it. We're not good at this um, because of this, this mindset of productivity that's like so ingrained in us. Um, we are supposed to stop our work and go to the chapel. And you know there, there were studies done on certain manuscripts that uh, like uh, when the monks would, would transcribe and, and do like illuminated manuscripts and things like that, there were studies done on the handwriting in which it was clear that there were times that a monk would stop mid-letter in order to go to the chapel when the bells ring. Um, and I'm just like, man, that's not my life. Again, that's like, that's just, you're much holier than me. I'm like, oh, the bells ring. That means I have two more seconds to like send out this email or whatever, <laughs> you know? Um, and so I wanted to share uh, a quote by St. Paisius um, who says, uh, um, so, so, so when St. Paisius was teaching some boys to learn carpentry, he says, they worked diligently, but also took frequent breaks to read from the lives of saints. If we work constantly, he explained, we will forget God. And so, so we, need, we need some sort of breaks throughout the day in order to call to mind 
um, the presence of God. And so, you know, what I've, what I've said to some of my spiritual children is, you know, if you have one of those fancy watches, like set a, a daily vibration alarm on your watch to go off at these three different times during the day. And then mm-hmm. you just turn the alarm off, pray the Jesus prayer, and then get back to work. You know, it doesn't need to be this, this huge break necessarily, um, but it needs to be uh, a reminder to, to kind of refocus. And Mother Gabriella and I were talking about this um, because she was saying that, and, and I think this is really wise, the, the interior reaction when the bells ring for me as a monastic or the interior reaction for you when that watch vibrates, um, that's a good litmus test for what our attitude on work is. And not to use that as, you know, if it's just like a frustration of like, oh no, I can't stop this right now. Um, to, to be aware of our internal response to those things, not as a matter of like self-condemnation, but as a matter of like, okay, I need to refocus. I need to pray a little bit. I need to um, try to have more peace uh, in this, this next bout of, of work. Yeah, I. that's a beautiful test. I realized when I would check every evening to see if I was on jury duty or not. So in the city of Los Angeles, you you can check online between 7 p.m. and 6 a.m. to see if you have to go in for jury duty the next morning. And like they don't have parking, so you need to park at pretty much like at, at any of the big venues around L.A. and take a bus in that they provide. So it's a big deal. Like You're gone all day, and I had so much I needed to do. And so every night when I would check, I'd be like, okay, Lord, you will be done. Like I, I'm going to be overjoyed if I, if I don't need to go in tomorrow, but that's a test to see, will I be happy and say, oh, I guess it's, it's you know, God's going to, even if it's not his will, mm-hmm. but like God's going to make this good. Mm-hmm. He's going to lead me closer to himself through jury duty if I'm called to go in. And even if I don't get chosen, whatever, you know? So it was, it was, it was, that, that is a, a really cool test mm-hmm. to say, how, what is my reaction to this is what I, this is my duty at this point, and and am I going to find joy in my duty? You know, am I am I going am I going to am I going to carry the cross or let it drag me? Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, so setting aside specific pauses, basically throughout the day, um, is really helpful. Uh, the other thing is to to pray throughout your work, right? If it's mm-hmm. if it's non mental work, like if it's manual labor or something like that, then you can very easily just pray the Jesus prayer throughout your work. I shouldn't say very easily; our minds get distracted. But what I mean is that's that's more compatible. You can pray the Jesus prayer throughout. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that we talked with Bishop John Michael about was his advice on we're now in an age that is so technological that, like, yes, some of my work I'm baking prosphora, the communion bread. I'm cleaning the pustinias. I'm cleaning the laundry room. I'm doing these things in which I can very, you know, it's, it's very easy to pray the Jesus prayer as I'm doing them. But what about answering emails and scheduling things on the cal- uh, calendar and things like that? You know, What's that? Um, what? What are those things? Are you making a joke? Yes. Oh. Um, so what are the thing like those things that are more mental, uh, that I can't pray the Jesus prayer throughout, you know, or that it's difficult to, and, and Bishop John Michael was talking about how, you know, he was like, 
it's okay if you can't pray the Jesus prayer throughout the task because the work in that moment is to focus on that task. Mm. Um, but to, again, take breaks and to, to remember God throughout the work and to do the work with love and so on and so forth. And I was like, yeah, that sounds really nice, but I don't know, that just seems like a justification for uh, this, this kind of work. And then this morning, I read this quote uh, during the Pusini morning, I read this quote by, again, Paisius, and he says, <laughs> when the task requires mental concentration, your work will be sanctified when your mind is focused on God. Then you will be living in the atmosphere of God, even if you are not able to say the prayer. Make sure that you take a short break every one or two hours and say the Jesus prayer. And I was like, oh, Bishop John Michael wasn't just making this up. And nice. so I, I appreciated that a lot, you know. Um, and so, which, so, so that, that practical advice of pray the Jesus prayer throughout your work, um, when it's possible, ties in very well to my next piece of advice, which sounds like such an oversimplification, but I was really, really convicted by this thought yesterday. Um, it, it was a thought that had come to me that I shared in the, the dialogue of, we should actually be praying for the Holy Spirit to come down upon our work before we start our work. Mm-hmm. And again, like this sounds so obvious, but it's not something we do all the time at the monastery, you know? Um, like I don't, before I sit down to answer emails or to schedule Pustinias, I, I don't just pray for the Holy Spirit. And, mm-hmm. and it's like when Jesus says, you know, if, if, your, if your earthly father knows, like if, if a good earthly father knows um, to give his child good things, how much more will the heavenly father give the spirit to those who want it, you know, um, or those who ask of it? And, um, and so if, if we are having a problem of not being able to remember God during our work and not being able to um, be holy in our work, I think the very first step is to literally just ask for the Holy yeah. Spirit to be present in our work. Like ask to, to help us uh, be, be grace-filled in our work because it's just, you know, we're, as we were discussing this at the, the day of reflection yesterday, uh, we were talking about how like, we'll pray every time we give spiritual direction or, or Father Michael, every time you and I do the podcast, like we will pray for the Holy Spirit beforehand. Um, but I don't do that again when I'm like answering emails. And I think part of me, it's because it's like, oh, this is not the spiritual thing, which is ridiculous, right? Like the, the spiritual life is supposed to be our entire life. So that's ridiculous. But also there's something about like when I'm podcasting or when I'm giving spiritual direction, I know that I'm utterly inept. And yeah. I, I know that I can't do this and that I need God's help because um, I'm just, I'm incompetent. And then, but like, I can answer emails, right? I don't need God for that. Like, this is the, mm-hmm. this is the yeah. self-deception. Um, yeah. This is the lie that we believe. And so we really should be asking for the Holy Spirit for, for all of those things. And thanking him at the end. I, mm-hmm. I think that that's, that's probably the proper response when that bell rings. Stand up, make the sign of the cross. Thank you, Lord, for the work I've done. Please make it fruitful. And then, you know, 
yeah. go on with the day. So if, if the beginning of the end of work is is a, a plea and then a thanksgiving every single time, even if we do not see the fruits, or if it was a frustrating time of work, there's still that that kind of Job-like, you know, blessed Lord who gives and who takes away, you know, blessed is the Lord who, who, who makes even what I may not see as fruitful, fruitful mm-hmm. you know, in some way. Absolutely. There, there's a that's like the one prayer from the Byzantine prayer book I had as a kid that I have memorized is uh, Lord you've said with your most holy lips without me you could do nothing Lord I embrace your word with my entire heart and soul and I ask you to bless this my present undertaking in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen mm-hmm. and you just say that I like that you, you said with, without me you can do nothing you know from the I am the vine you the branches and I, I I believe you Lord now so I'm about to do something I'm going to attempt something so without you it's going to become nothing mm-hmm. but with you it's going to become everything. My last piece of practical advice, this is the one that I think is going to be the most challenging to people. Um, and so I, I'm like really, really challenging all of you with this uh, because it's something that I did very poorly before I entered the monastery and I still have to combat this a lot in the monastery. Um, so so St. Paisius like warns of the dangers of working excessively. He says, those who work too hard and are full of worries, forget God. This is, you know, um, part of the point is just like, we're not leading a recollected life because we're so just um, uh, distracted by work. So (laughs) in this book, The Angelic Life, the one that I've referenced before that I read while I brush my teeth, it says, one holy tradition that helps us not to be caught up, to be too caught up in endless tasks is to take rest from work on Sunday. And um, I think that this is really, really, really hard for us because there's so much societal pressure um, to work even on Sunday. And, and there's so, there are so many ways that we can, that we can self justify, um, you know, with, uh, um, like Athanasius, um, um, oh, who was I thinking of who, uh, oh, oh, this was also, well, I don't know who this is. Anyways, I won't talk about that, but, um, the, this concept of, of, not working on Sundays. And it's not just for the sake, like go back and listen to the leisure podcast. It's not just for the sake of vegging, right? It's not that we don't work in order to just like binge Netflix. Uh, The point is um, it's like, it's not Sundays shouldn't just be a day of minimal work, but also a day devoted to spiritual tasks. And I don't just mean you need to be in the church all day on Sunday or on your knees in prayer or something like that. But it's like, this is the time to be building community. This is the time um, to be resting with your family, to be um, enjoying good, edifying leisure with your friends um, or on your own, you know, uh, whatever it may be, but um, to really enter into communion with God. And I think that the way the way that we justify these things in our society today, like this is what I did all the time in college. I was like, well, um, yes, I'm not supposed to work on Sundays, but also my vocation right now is to be a student. And so, um, 
I, I support my life as a student by working at this coffee shop. And so I'll still work on Sunday at the coffee shop. And, um, and, and maybe that, that is true for you. Like I'm, I'm, I can't, I can't judge anyone's particular situation. And so please don't just send me an email and say, this is my particular situation. What do you think I should do? Like you need to talk to your spiritual director about this. <laughs> and if I don't know your heart, I can't help you discern that. Like, but, but we, I, I would really, really challenge you to, to ask God for the self-awareness to know your motivations for working on Sunday. Um, because if it's actually something that God wants you to do, and, and you've just done that with your spiritual director and you're being honest with yourself about what's in your heart, then that's one thing. But if you're just trying to, to justify so that you can have a little extra money so you can go out to coffee a few more times, then that's not the purest of reasons. You know, I'm, I'm really, I've been really edified by this story that Father Travis shares of one of his parishioners, um, an older parishioner who was a farmer for his whole life. Um, he's, he's very, um, he's now very well off and like makes uh, large donations to the school and things like this. Father Travis has shared this publicly on his podcast. So I, it's, yeah, I'm not just sharing like some private thing. Um, he, you know, this farmer said, um, told Father Travis that um, he's never, you know, even in times of like great drought and great, because they, they live in Iowa. Father Travis is from Iowa. And, you know, like in, in all of these times, I've always been provided for. I've never been in want. And he said, and I have, I have never missed mass on a Sunday. Like, because in the, in the farming culture, you know, this is, this is a big thing is like during harvest season, they might just not go to mass on Sundays because they just need to be, you know, but this, this particular farmer was like, even when the weather was good, even when the harvest was good, I set it aside on Sunday. And, and I think that we really need to grow in our trust that God cannot be outdone in generosity. And, um, if, if we're taking a rest on this day to glorify him, not to binge watch Netflix, if we're taking a rest on this Sunday to glorify him, um, he's not outdone in generosity and he'll, he'll reward us for that, you know? And it's like, it's, it's the story of the Israelites in the desert um, who were told like, gather manna on every day of the week, except on the Sabbath. And, and the day before gather twice as much so that you have enough for the Sabbath. Um, and they just didn't trust in that. Like they didn't trust that God was going to provide. Um, and, and that's the problem is, is when we try to, um, to just grasp at what we think we need instead of receiving what he wants to give us. Amen. Yeah, that's that there's so much nuance there. Mm-hmm. I, I, it, I, like mother said, please talk to your spiritual director, your pastor, your community, someone like that about, about what that can look like because... Um, I think there's multiple levels of where that needs to be understood with nuance. One of them is, yeah, the objective reality of like Troy Palomalu, who used to go to liturgy on Tuesdays with the permission of his bishop because he played football and he saw that as, you know, for the glory of God. And so he played football on on Sundays, which was his labor. That's how he made money. Um, and 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 so his bishop said, yeah, go on, go on to the nearby monastery, go on Tuesdays. Um, like that, there are situations like that where. 
where there needs to be an understanding of the nuance and things like that because of personal in situations. Um, also with like, God will reward you, that needs to be understood properly, as in he may reward you with strength or joy, not necessarily with enough money yeah. to to own a house, live where you want to. It'll, so you you will be rewarded because there's a lot of questions that I know that that, pe- that good people have about what, it, you know, is this labor, is that labor? Why am I doing this? And I, I think that there needs to be a healthy understanding of that in order to discern those things well, and that's what somebody else can help you with. Um, but but I think in general, you're right, Mother. Too many people make excuses for doing um, self-serving things on Sundays rather than um, totally, I mean, using Sunday as a gift. We receive a gift on Sunday, the resurrection of our Lord, which we can never pay back, and we also offer the gift of of our, our, our rest and our, our leisure as well. Yeah, the the thing that I'm thinking of that uh, as you're talking, Father Michael, about um, discerning what is and what is not work and labor and so on and so forth um, is we we don't want to be scrupulous about it either. Um, but there's this quote in the Angelic Life where um, they said. Um, on Sundays and great feast days of the church, we only do work that is absolutely necessary, e.g. cooking, washing dishes, caring for any plants and animals that require daily attention, etc. Other tasks that are not time sensitive, such as construction, are not done on such days, even though it could be justified by the reasoning that it is for the Lord and therefore permissible on the Lord's day. Such a justification is following the letter of the law rather than the spirit of the law. And so I, I just do, I, I do think like, I'm not condemning every work that's done on a Sunday, you know, especially like people who work in healthcare or things like that. Um, you know, like we still need doctors on Sunday. There are still health emergencies on Sundays and, and things like that. But um, but I, I just encourage you to, um, to really take it to prayer and not just take for granted, um, like not to just put convenience over discernment basically. And this just came to mind, and I maybe I shouldn't just throw this grenade into the mix without explaining it too much, but there is certainly the case, and this is just something that we all need to realize, I think a point of spiritual growth, and I'm, of course, again, preaching to myself as usual, but um, th- sometimes somebody may come up to me and say, you know, Father, I, I, I need to work on Sundays or I, I can't support my life. I, I can't, you know, pay for my apartment, whatever it may be. And now I may... No, and say, you know, you, you know, if I discerned and and I, I say, you know, they they can though. They may need to get a different apartment. They may they need to get a different car. But 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 if I know that that person or or say I'm that person and my spiritual director says, you know, they my spiritual director just may say like, you're too weak, honestly. Mm. You 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 would leave the faith if 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 you if you didn't have the basic things that this job is affording you, you would lose your faith because you you you're, you're not strong enough in the faith to understand that that God's going to provide for you, what that providing looks like, and and you're gonna you're gonna lose hope. And so that there is an understanding of weakness that happens in a lot of things where any pastoral minister or even any of the faithful, we have to say, um, maybe I'm I'm living in an exception because of my weakness. And that's a good reason for an exception for a time. Mm-hmm. Hopefully then we grow out of that. And we know that we're doing it because we're weak and we cannot just sit in that weakness. That that becomes evil and satanic if we just sit in the weakness and don't grow. But if, if there is a certain, we can, I may give guidance to someone and say, you know what, let's come, let's talk about this again in a year. 
Um, and and but go ahead and take that job because you need to sustain yourself. But I honestly think that there needs to be growth. But let's talk about that in a year, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so there's that hope because I, I do think there are people that even like when it comes to stewardship of time, treasure, and talent, you know, you you tell someone, you know, you if you give ten percent of your gross income, you know, you're you're still going to be joyful and happy and holy. That's the gift God's going to give you, whether He gives you money or not. But there are some people that maybe because of their attachment to money or because their attachment to things, they can't. Like if they lose the things they have, that will lead to despair and the mm. loss of faith. And and that just needs to be understood as a part of the process of of the growth and holiness, meeting people where they are. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, are you okay if I close with Absolutely. the things? All right. Yes. Um, please, I actually remembered to pull up Cowboy's uh, script for me this time. So... Please rate and review the podcast on whatever service you use to listen. It's the best way to help more people find us. Please like What God Is Not on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Please subscribe on YouTube and hit the bell icon to be notified when a new video is dropped. So we're on YouTube, audio only. We have a Goodreads group. Join us to discuss what both we are reading and what you are reading. Check out our nonprofit, Fotina, and support us if you can. That's P-H-O-T-I-N-A dot com. And then Father Michael is also on Twitter at Padre Michael O. Um, oh, and we have mm, a podcast website, whatgodisnot.com. So if you're not on social media, but you still want to see some of the things that people see on social media, oops, sorry, that was the microphone. Um, you can see that on whatgodisnot.com. Uh, prayer intentions. I will ask. Um, I will ask you to pray for families who are suffering from um, parents who are just working too much, uh, and and for the strength for those parents to um, maybe surrender more, trust more, be willing to change lifestyle if needed in order to to be with their family a little bit more. Also, I should have mentioned this earlier, but if anyone has not seen Christopher Robin, the movie, you should watch that because it's very relevant to this topic and it's so beautiful and you'll cry regardless of whether or not you're a man or a woman. So I'll warn you of that. We had a priest friend with us who was um, crying as he watched it with us and he just kept going, it's not real. It's a stuffed bear. Um, (laughs) It's funny. Nice. Well, uh, you've inspired me, Mother. I feel like going and cleaning bathrooms right now. So I, I, that's uh, to try out my my newfound Woo-hoo. desire to to love the butts that touch the toilets. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, <the>, uh, <laughs> um, I I, uh, I will pray for you know you mentioned um, the laborers and those who work and all of that. Um, being a priest and a pastor. Um, just please pray for volunteers because I think that's a whole other aspect mm. of labor mm-hmm. that it, that is is incredibly important. That when the volunteering is volunteers make the parish run. I mean that that's ob- objectively true. We we could not do it without our volunteers. Um, so those who volunteer and that they may always that those that you and all may be inspired to volunteer um, and find the fruitfulness there, but also those who who lead volunteers like me um, are inspired to thank them and to be gracious and to be eloquent about the ways that they do build up the kingdom of God. Um, but then also that the volunteers may find fruit in in that their labor oriented towards the kingdom. Amen. All right. Well, 
I love you, Father Michael. It's good to be with you. It's I feel like it's rare now that it's just the two of us, and I like having guests, yeah, but I also true. like just being yeah. with you. So, amen. Thanks, thanks, listeners. Even over, even over video, yeah, audio, video, yeah. All right. Well, love you too. Love you, listeners. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. Can you please May give us bless you and keep you? Yes. I should just wait for you to leave me because I know you're, you're not going to forget that part. May the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, have mercy on you. May our Lord inspire you and give you rest. May he teach you his commandments when it comes to labor and rest. May you find fruit in all that you do. Um, may you desire the goods of work, of labor, in your work to support yourself and your family, but also in your volunteering May you grow in appreciation for the great gift of work that God gave us. This is appropriate. Our landscapers out there working and you can hear him. Um, May the Lord bless Lupe and all those who work here on the property. May he bless all those who volunteer here and also at the monastery as you prepare for your work day. May all of you appreciate the the work and the labor that, that our Lord has invited you into and will grace you through that gift. May the Lord bless all of you, even unto your salvation. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.